I don't think there was anyone that the pandemic didn't touch. Right. You know, I know people are probably tired about hearing about COVID or, you know, or or, or what the pandemics had impact on on business owners, but just just being able to to manage and, and weather the storm, man. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we were at a point where when the pandemic kicked off, we didn't know we were going to keep our doors open. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of our funders went radio silent. Mm-hmm. You know, they focused on you know relief, which is like women and children and, and homelessness and you know things like that that are important, right? right. Um, but we didn't we didn't know you know, if they were going to come back, if they were going right. to keep funding us, uh, you know, what? So we kind of just weathered the storm um, during that time, man. And then they came back and, and, and we got things moving. You know, we, we talked about the importance of, you know, how do we continue to sustain, you know, right. black and minority owned businesses. Um, so I'm just proud of us being able to stay alive so that we can keep other businesses alive and keep their doors open. Hey guys, what's good? Welcome to the Coastline Life. If you're watching this video, that means you co-sign us and we co-sign you. So here are a couple of ways to support us at Cosign Magazine. Number one, view the description below, click the link and purchase an issue of Cosign Magazine. It's like this, this one right here, physical. You can purchase this. Number two, you can also support us by purchasing Cosign merch. Hit the link below and it'll take you to all our past merch items and we'd love to have your support and see you wear Cosign Magazine. Another episode of Cosign Conversations. Uh, today we're here joined by a good friend of mine, Benjamin Van, uh, founder and CEO of Impact Ventures. How you doing, brother? Man, it's all good. It's good to be here. Finally on the couch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. I feel honored to, to yeah. make it all the way to the Cosign couch. No, I appreciate you, man. This couch has seen uh, many successful people, bro. So Mac, I'm happy to have you here today. Uh, me and Benjamin go way back, and this is going to be a great episode for all of our entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses who's been inquiring what accelerator programs are, how to get funding, and you know, things that's been facing the black uh, entrepreneurship community. So we're gonna dive into all that today. Um, before we get started, man, I, I really wanna get your backstory. Um, I see somewhere that you actually used to play football. Yeah. <laughs> and now I see you like, man, he's strictly professional. My man be on 10, business at all times, man. Kind of tell us how you got from football to where you're at today. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, I'm originally from the Midwest, okay. you know, um, you know, home of, of basketball, you know, KU, Jayhawk basketball and all that. But, um, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't six foot, you know, yeah, taller, I, so I had to go the football route. I feel, I feel your pain. <laughs> Same here, man. Uh, but yeah, man, you played QB in high school, you know, was a, a thousand yard rusher, a thousand yard passer. Oh, wow. Uh, nice. Yeah. But had an opportunity <laughs> to uh, to get a couple of scholarships, you know, uh, across the country as well as local, you know, but really wanted to stay close, close to home, close sure. to family. So uh, got a scholarship to Washburn University. OK. Uh, Topeka, Kansas. That's a division two. Um, and we've actually put every year since I graduated back in 2010, we put a guy in the league. So, oh, wow. yeah, man. So we're, we're on the map. Um, but yeah, man, had a chance to play college football, um, uh, on a, on an NCAA double, uh, AA level, but then also had an opportunity to play, uh, indoor football, so okay. arena football. So that was kind of my, my professional, um, stint. Uh, I was a defensive back, cornerback, okay. DB. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Rocking heads. You know, I was, I was, I'm a totally different person on the field man, than you know, uh, than, than than what you've known to know me to be, man, in in the business world. But I, I still take that tenacity and that that level of like dedication and attention to detail, yeah. you know, to 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 the boardroom and uh, in, on a business level. Right. Um, but yeah, man, a lot of people don't, don't believe it until, you know, until I get out there on 707, yeah. you know, jam them up. A few I didn't times, believe it. I was like, nah, not, not, not Ben. <laughs> I got to do more throwback Thursdays. Yeah, you, know, nah, so. you, you got to, you got to, but you made a great point though, because, uh, myself too, I'm not six one, six two. So me being five, seven playing basketball, I'm different when I hoop too. Like I'm a laid back individual, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. When people see me, oh, KG's okay, cool, calm, collected. But then, you know, once, you know, the referee blows that oh, whistle yeah. at his time. Well, in between the lines, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything goes, anything goes, man. I'm, I'm the same way, man. I like to talk, you know, I'm, I'm like uh, Richard Sherman, you know, kind of kind of hot on the field. But, you know, but my favorite player was Rondé Barber, you know, okay. from his uh, 
he was a cerebral, you know, guy. He wasn't the biggest guy, 5'9", you know, right. 185, but he was always two or three steps ahead, right. you know, of, of his opponent. And so that's what I admire about, about his game, nah, you know, sure. being in position. Definitely, so. man. Do you, um, so, you know, being an athlete, brother, it was, it was a different type of energy we used to get, excitement we used oh, to get man. playing, right? Does, does business still fulfill, does business fulfill that excitement for you? Man, it, it does, but there's, it's just, it's a little nuance of like right. that competitive spirit because it, your opponent, it, it uh, you know, it, it, it switches from being someone else right. to yourself. So it's like you're looking in the mirror and it's Good like point. me against me. Right. And it's like every day, how can I be, how can I beat me every day? Right. right? You know, you know, I, I tell a lot of young kids when I used to coach, I had one, one of my mentees that went to the NFL and, um, you know, I tell them, you know, once you play collegiate sports, like it turns into a business. You know what I mean? Like your freshman year, it's like, all right, I'm out of high school. You know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Once it turn, turns into a business, every day you show up, you clock in. It's like you got to be better than the next person right. ahead of you. And you got to keep being ahead of them because at any time that person could be outworking you. They could sure. be doing extra reps in the weight room. They could be doing extra reps in the film study room. Definitely. And next thing you know, they come back a summer and they're faster than you, they're stronger than yeah. you, you know, they understand the defense or the offense a little bit better than right. you. So it's like in entrepreneurship, it's like you have that same mentality, but it's against like you, like how can you learn more? Right. Um, how can you uh, be a better leader, a better manager of people? Definitely. Uh, so it's a different set of skills, but they definitely transfer uh, from, from, from sport to, to business. But uh, that little nuance of just yeah. being able to like, you know, you know that feeling of, of, of winning the game or, or just making that play, right. you know. Yeah. I try to I try to emulate it, you know. Sometimes in my office, I do a little, yeah. you know, when I close a business deal or something nah, like that. That's what I was gonna say, man. I think for me, that's where my excitement will come from. Like, you know, my thing was I was a, a scoring point guard, ah, so okay. you know, I was I'm, pass first. Point yeah, guard, nah, yeah, I was scoring. See, I was only a, a point guard because of my height. Yeah, you know, yeah. My, my high school, we was everybody was like six one and under. So, you know, our center was six one. Uh, you know yeah, what I'm saying? So yeah. I had to be point guard. So, you know, I'm going to shoot first. So I got a shot. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to score. But then I would pass, right? So, you know, me getting 15, 21 points a game, that's like I'm, I'm loving it. Like I got that energy. So for me, it's the same when, you know, I close a sponsorship deal or I book a big person for an interview. Like I get that same feeling. I mean, it's not the same as on the court, but right, it's like right, right. <laughs> you kind of got little, little nuances of where you feel like, okay, I remember this feeling. And, you know, you try to, you know, you try to replay it as many times as you can over and over. Yeah, man, it's 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 definitely a, it's a head game. Um, it's it's a strategic game. Right. You know, there's X's and O's in definitely. businesses of closing the deals, just like there are in running that play. You know, right. I was a I was a true point guard, so okay. you know, twelve, thirteen assists a yeah. game for me. I was oh, like, okay, yeah, my oh, big yeah, guys nice. is eating. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nah, for sure. So, um, so was businesses, small business, entrepreneurship was that always instilled in you, or what happened? In, what did you go to school for in college, and how you transitioned? Now? Definitely, um, you know, being a fifth generation entrepreneur, you know, I talk a lot about my grandmother. Okay, uh, she uh, was one of the first um, women pastors in the PAW, Pentecostal Symbols of the World. Okay, um, but as you know, sometimes you know you don't really get to know your grandparents or your parents Definitely. until you get older. Right, Same you know, here. and so you know, I went, I went home. You know, it was probably about maybe twelve. 10, 12 years ago, and I took my grandmother out to lunch, and, you know, I started asking her about her life, because we just know her as grandma, the pastor, or right. things like that, but, you know, she, uh, she actually had a seamstress business, and, um, you know, one of her life goals was to be a seamstress um, on Broadway, mm -hmm. but at that time, in the 19, that was probably like the 40s and the 50s, you know, maybe 50s and 60s, you know, women were only allowed to do certain things, like right. being nursing, being educators and teachers, and, and things like that, so... Um, uh, her slogan was uh, sowing souls for the kingdom mm. um, and so she would make all the big church hats right. and you know she would make our Easter clothes and things like that um, but on the rich side uh, of my family it, it really goes back to owning car dealerships to owning um, farmland to oh, renting wow. out equipment farmland um, and a lot of that stuff was taken by the federal government you know oh. back in the, the, the New Deal that era back in the 30s um, uh, where they were just taking land from right. black farmers and from black landowners um, and distributing it to, to, to others um, in the community. But, um, you know, my father, he, run, he ran multiple businesses growing up, okay. was also in ministry, so PK kid, okay. uh, pre preacher's kid, for those who know who PK <laughs> uh, yeah. is. And, um, 
you know, uh, had an opportunity to see success, failure, you know, in, in every different way of business, right. even to this day, you know, we run a successful trucking business. I have a unique opportunity to be able to help okay. um, the family business in that, in that way. We've seen one of our best years yet, you know, mm -hmm. last year, um, during, even during the, the, the pandemic. Right. But um, so I've always had exposure to entrepreneurship right. and business um, at a young age. So I had the opportunity to major in finance okay. um, uh, when I went to Washburn. Um, but at the time, you know, you know, I, I call myself a, an investor now, but back then I never had met a living, breathing, like black investor. Right. right. Um, and so, uh, you know, being a college athlete, a lot of times people say, um, oh, well, you know, athletes, y'all get catered to y'all get baby, y'all get all the stuff. But like, it's really a full time job that you don't get paid for. I mean, now they get paid right. for it. They getting deals, <laughs> Nike deals, yeah, exactly. everything now. But back then, you know, you, you were doing a full time job, which felt like for, for free. But, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, you're getting a college degree. But at the same time, you're missing out on a lot right. of different student part of the student athlete. Definitely. The other student gets exposure to. So my, my senior year. Uh, when I had an opportunity to, you know, you usually red shirt, right? So you're kind of like that red shirt right. scene. So you got another year before you actually graduate school, but it's your last year of football. I had an opportunity to uh, join the Washburn Finance Society. Okay. Um, and we went on a trip to um, New York uh, for a, a conference called GAME, a Global Asset Exchange Management, uh, Global Asset Management Exchange Forum okay. uh, put on by CUNYPAC University. Um, and for me, it was my first time being like submerged in the in the the environment of like high finance, like gotcha. stock markets, like you know investing, like all the things. Like I mean, you talking about the people with the Dow Jones. I mean, they're they're doing their predictions of what we think the next ten years right. are going to look like. Um, you know, I was one of the very few black people that were there. Um, I went with a couple uh, uh, exchange students from China. Oh, wow. um, they wanted to eat you know Japanese food and Chinese food every day. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. But it exposed me to um, a lot of areas where I didn't get to see growing up, you right. know, growing up on the other side of the tracks. You know, my childhood, you know, we, we weren't, you know, we had everything we needed, um, but definitely not everything, you know, that we wanted. But that exposure for me came through a book. Okay. Uh, it was a brother um, that wrote a book um, called Why Do White Guys Get to Have All the Fun? And it's mm -hmm. by Reginald F. Lewis. Okay. Uh, Reginald F. Lewis was one of the first black billionaires in the private equity space okay. uh, back in the 80s. Um, he actually uh, died of a young age of, a, I think, a brain tumor at like 50 years old, very mm -hmm. young. Um, but in that book, you know, he kind of had a similar pair of story to me, you right. know, being an athlete, going to college, deciding not, you know, there was a time where I, I stepped back, actually um, dropped out of college oh, really? uh, for a year. Yeah. You took a year off? I took a year off. Okay. I took a year off, went back home to help family, and I had two deaths in the family. My uncle and my grandfather felt like if I was closer to home, I could, right. like, you know, be yeah. there to help, you For know, sure. stop things from happening, right? Definitely. But that's never the case. Right. Uh, but those setbacks really taught me a lot about being in real life and, like, you know, being about business and taking care of things, getting back in school, earning my scholarship back. Okay. You know, so there was a lot of, like, you know, ups and downs, you know, through that, that process. Um, but yeah, man, I, that book really exposed me to the world of private equity and, and uh, you know, venture capital and investing. Um, and so I didn't meet my first black VC until I was an adult, right? Okay. Uh, at 30 something years old, you oh, know, wow. <laughs> uh, here in Texas, uh, here in Dallas. Um, and he's a, a great mentor to me since, you know, since I've met him. Um, but that kind of exposed me to, you know, the inequities that were in the space right. in terms of investing and how we get access to capital and things like that um so i like to say man if you don't have a mentor or you don't have you know they always say you can't be what you can't see right but you can find it in a book you know right. so uh, for me you know my first kind of mentor and exposure to the space was was reading that book and hearing his story right who introduced so. you to that book because you know that essentially kind of changed your life so who introduced you to the book where you just randomly find it no so actually um so i you know uh, you know the, the the greatest fraternity known to man you know <laughs> <laughs> Side attorney <laughs> incorporated. Yeah. Um, I had an opportunity, you know, again, when I was on the student side of being an athlete uh, to pledge Kappa uh, at that time. And, you know, when you're looking at, you know, who were the guys that went before me and right. who, who were the guys that, that uh, made a notable impact on the world and were part of the fraternity, you know, Reginald F. Lewis was also a member of Kappa Alpha Psi. Okay. And so, you know, just seeing some of the guys that were in different spaces was like, okay, let me research and see who this guy is. So, yeah. As I started to understand his story and what his contributions and things like that, that's kind of how I got exposed 
to that book. And uh, that's when I, when I left college, ended up working in finance and fidelity. So okay. all that kind of inspired my path. Cause you know, when you graduate, you don't know what you want to yeah. do. You know, you're like, <laughs> okay, I got this piece of paper, but where do yeah. I go? What do I do with it? You know, family had moved to Texas. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll move, you know, right. along with you. And, and then that's how things kind of just took off. Got you. So becoming, being an investor is now is, is being, it's like a, it's a beautiful term. Everybody, right, right. everybody wants to be an investor, <laughs> yeah. right? Everybody has investor in the bio, but you were truly an investor early on. You, you know, you went to school for finance. You've seen what it actually looks like on the highest level. Kind of talk to us about what being an investor really is, what that really means and the work that really goes behind it. Yeah. So that, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I talk about that a, a lot. But, you know, the truth is anybody can be an investor, right? right. Like that. That's actually true, right? Um, but there are investors that, you know, um, act on behalf or are fiduciary responsible for other people's money, right? right? And the difference is, you know, you're going to take care of somebody else's money in a different manner than you're going to take care of your own money, right? right? And so uh, one of the biggest um, things that people truly don't get exposure to is the amount of work that goes into understanding, like, what a future, like what are all the pros and cons and potential negatives and positives, right, of, of investment. Um, sometimes, you know, depends, depending on like the makeup of who you are, right. um, some investors could be tied up in, you know, the emotional side of the opportunity, right? Okay. Uh, so they're emotionally driven. Right. Um, some of them are, are numbers or factual driven. Right. Um, sometimes it's just plain dumb money because you got so much you right. can afford to lose it, right? There's funds out there, you know, like that. Um, but the biggest side is just the discipline that comes with being an investor and knowing that, you know, for, you know, if you talk about venture capital in terms of this asset class, right, it's right. a very risky asset class as it is. And it's a very hypey asset right. class, right? Definitely. So every deal is the hottest deal to the entrepreneur that's pitching, yeah. right? And so do you have the, the, the discipline and the diligence to be able to, to cipher through the noise mm -hmm. and the hype? Right. And really understand the underlying asset of like what you're investing in. Right. And at this stage, when you talk about venture, you're investing in the entrepreneur. Right. And so the entrepreneur, you got to know, OK, how do you read? A, how do you have do you have high enough emotional intelligence to read? Does this person a going to be uh, diligent about about your money uh, right. you know, that you give them? Are they going to spend it the right way? Right. Uh, do they have the right roadmap and plan to go forward to attack the right things? at the certain time that they are in the business. Like right. those are all things you have to kind of probe for and poke for, uh, but then have the, uh, the, I'd say again, back to emotional intelligence to be able to work alongside an entrepreneur and kind of steer them in the right direction if they're not in a way that doesn't feel like you're overtaking, you know, their business or telling them how to run their business, right. but you're, you're become a partner, you know, in the business and the entrepreneur feels like you're a partner and you're operating in their best, you know, best interest. So. Uh, it does help to have the financial skill background because, um, you know, at the end of the day, if you can't run the numbers, you know what I mean? Um, people can, you know, you know, can, can honestly get over on you. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and if you don't know the numbers and you don't know how they arrive at a number, um, you know, that's how scams happen. That's how, you know, people get cheated out of, out of, out of big deals. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, a number of things that go into it, you know, when you're on the corporate side, right, it's right. a whole different story, right, because gotcha. you're probably handling one part of the process mm -hmm. versus if you're like me, you're handling start to finish, right, you're doing the due diligence, you're doing the market research, mm -hmm. uh, you're doing the technical assistance in terms of helping the entrepreneur, um, so it's actually a lot of work, more, more work than people think, like, oh, VCs just sit up in the ivory gotcha. tower and, and say yes or no, you know, gotcha. uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Okay, so before we dive deep into it, let's talk uh, Impact Ventures, right? Yeah. So you previously at Fidelity, you left to start your own uh, accelerator investment company, Impact Ventures. Uh, kind of talking about what Impact Ventures is and why you want to start it, and then we'll get into these details and these numbers that everybody wants to know about. <laughs> yeah, so I had the opportunity to, again, come out of college to work in finance, work in various roles within, within Fidelity had an opportunity to uh, work for a national organization uh, doing fundraising okay. uh, for, for park developments. Um, and it got exposed to philanthropy and, and, and really uh, how to raise money from donors and foundations mm -hmm. and corporations and uh, things of that sort. So built a lot of those strong relationships um, through those, those roles. And then I had opportunity to work for 
uh, a startup that was doing microfinancing uh, okay. for women in developing countries, uh, specifically in South America. Okay. And so um, we were doing underwriting for women who were doing, you know, anything from pottery to shoemaking to, you know, um, any type of uh, basic needs business, right, you can think of in a, in a developing country. Right. Uh, which takes a different level of, of empathy, you know, for no, what sure. they're doing and, and how their environment is set up. Um, but all those exposures to different types of finance, you know, really led me to say, okay, what I know about, you know, black and brown founders that ultimately they typically don't fit into the structure of like traditional small business banking, traditional, you know, um, loans like an SBA loan or right. something like that. We can't just walk into a bank and say, give me a loan, right? right. Because they have certain underwriting criteria that typically we don't, you know, apply for because history of generations of lack of financial literacy, you yes. know, people just don't know what they don't know, yes. right? Can you give us some of those points that way just so, like, the audience get more understanding? Like, what are some things that, you know, would would prevent us from getting, like, an SBA loan that we don't Definitely. So the biggest thing is is um, personal guarantees and collateral. Okay. That's the number one thing. So personal credit. Yeah. Yeah, collateral. So I'll say credit is number two because credit really impacts your interest rate. Okay. Right. Um, But, you know, collateral is basically saying, like, what do we have as a safety net to know that if you are if you cannot pay this loan back, what can we take of equal value? That's real estate. or Right. That's that. If I want to go get a food truck, what do you do? You have a house. Right. right? So you talk about the, you know, the cornerstones of wealth building, you know, home ownership, entrepreneurship. Most of us don't own houses that we can take uh, a line of credit or can put up as collateral for equipment that we want to buy right. for a business, right? And so because we don't have those kind of paramount fundamental things in place economically, it puts us in a disadvantage because if I'm trying to go for a $50,000, $100,000 loan right. and I don't have something of 50000 or 100000 of value, right. yeah, you might have a car note, but you don't own it outright, yeah. right? <laughs> so you can't put that up as, as collateral for... So collateral is one of the biggest things. The second thing is credit, right? Credit, you know, um, really, really dictates like your, your the level of credit score. So you know, everybody knows credit scores relates right. to car loans, right? You got an eight hundred credit score. Oh, you can get a two point nine, you know, <laughs> yeah. three point one, you know, uh, interest rate. So same same thing in the in the business arena. You got a higher credit score. Um, you're uh, you're going to have a lower interest rate, right? right? But to, to be able to actually do the deal is just three parts of that that they're really looking at um, is you know the credit of the entrepreneur if they have collateral for the business and then the underlying assets of the business itself, okay. right? So that's cash on hand, that's equipment that it owns, that's mm-hmm. uh, revenue it brings up, that's revenue projections, mm-hmm. all those things go into to what they're looking at, um, and so being able to see you know that. Typically, we can't, you know, we don't have access to that, right? Right. Um, and then when you talk about venture capital, venture capital is a whole nother industry and ball game that is really driven by growth, right? Okay. So they're looking for 50, 100x return on their investment, right? Okay. So that means they're wanting an entrepreneur to drive growth, right, despite whatever challenges they might have, like, like by any means necessary. Right. Your job is to grow and scale the business, sell, rinse and repeat. Like, that's the game of right. venture. But again, it comes back to exposure. It goes back to um, really understanding like what that asset class is designed to do okay. um, on why we should be taking venture. Like understanding that when you take a venture investment, let's say you take you have five investors on your cap table, you now have five bosses that that you're 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 um, mm. accountable to, right? right? And on top of that, they are part owners in your business, right? right? They have equity in <laughs> They have equity in your business. And so there's another part of that that we're not used to in terms of working in partnership Definitely. with people. Like, we just want to be the boss, whatever <laughs> we say goes, exactly. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so knowing that that spectrum, you know, we typically don't fit in those. You know, what we saw in the market is an opportunity to explore, you know, what are all the capital products in between? that we're not taking advantage of, right? Mm-hmm. And those are things like more flexible debt, like uh, like royalty financing, okay. uh, like revenue-based financing. That's basically like a loan based on the cash flow of the okay. business, right? That's kind of what like these uh, payment processes are starting to use, right? Like Square Capital, yeah. uh, QuickBooks Capital, Shopify Capital. They're basically giving you a loan off the revenue that they see you've made. Exactly. And they're just taking their payments back uh, through your process yep. payments okay yep uh, in the retail space in the product space definitely if you're in the consumer's product space it's easier to predict right because right. you have a product and a widget that you're selling 
Um, so the revenue is more more predictable right. uh, in those spaces. But um, you know, so we've really been able to uh, look at and really notice that you know entrepreneurs of color are typically over mentored and undercapitalized, right? And so you know, launching the accelerator. Yes, it's education, um, but for the most part, it's it's really strategic connections and it's okay. building that social network um, and that professional network, right? So we're giving them access to, I mean, C-suite folks of um, companies like TGI Fridays, you know, okay. uh, C-suite of companies of, um, uh, what's the one in, in Plano, the financial company, it just went public. Um, I wanna say, uh, I can't think of the name of the, uh, at the moment. Uh, but these senior level, C-suite level people have access to relationships. They have right. a Rolodex. Definitely. They have wisdom that can help save you money and mistakes. Right. Um, and these are relationships that would have taken them years to build by not going through a program. Gotcha. You know, I think of a lot of the relationships I've been able to build with investors, with corporations. Like that took me a decade to build those relationships. Right. You know what I mean? And folks get to come to our program for 12 weeks and they get instant access, you know, to those people. And so um, what we realize is that the accelerator program, while it was great, um, you know, it's really improving their business acumen uh, and really an untold, you know, um, status confidence. Right. Um, The confidence to be able to walk into a meeting and say, this is what your company is worth or this is how much you're raising and not bat an eye and be able to back that up with numbers right. uh, and then be able to back that up to say we're the best team to execute you know, on this. Gotcha. Those are all things that we're improving for entrepreneurs um, through the program. Um, and then the other thing we said is once they leave our program, they weren't finding a capital product that aligned with them because they were too early or right. um, it wasn't the right you know, um, uh, industry or industry lane or vertical or whatever. So we said, okay, let's be our own capital providers, right, and figure out what type of capital product works for our entrepreneurs. Gotcha. So that's where the fund came in. Okay. Um, and we started to say, okay, what is this kind of integrated capital where we can use a combination of grants, debt, and equity to be able to fund entrepreneurs. Okay. So, yeah, man. And since you started kind of talk to us, like I said, we love numbers. Kind of talk to us about how many businesses you funded, um, how much has it been since you started. I kind of give us those points because you're doing some amazing things, and I feel like once people really hear about the impact you're making with Impact Ventures, yeah. it'll start to resonate more. Yeah, man. So, uh, 2017, we've probably impacted over, I would say, 41, 4,500 people through hackathons. You know, we used to do hackathons. Right. Um, training workshops, um, uh, networking events like you know our tribe talk event, um, uh, you know different um, uh, events that bring people together. Right. But in 2020, we actually launched our first accelerator cohort. So now we're on cohort four. Okay. Um, so we've traded over 120 entrepreneurs. Um, 84 companies have gone through uh, the program. Uh, so collectively, they've been able to raise $6.5 million, and that's wow. just in, since 2020 in the pandemic, right? Wow. Um, so collectively, uh, we've been able to deploy over half a million dollars in capital of our, of our own in okay. a combination of grants um, and equity uh, as well as debt. Oh, nice. um, and, you know, through that program, I mentioned the mentorship right. component. You know, we're actually probably like 80-20, like more mentorship than we are mm-hmm. education. Okay. Uh, just in the last program alone, we engaged over 160 mentors uh, from across the U.S. that participated in the program in some capacity, either as a lead advisor, a subject matter expert, or they've been a part of any like um, lab or like group right. training that we've done. Um, and they've participated in over 4,100 hours that we've offered you know, to these entrepreneurs. So it's a very intense and rigorous right. program. The entrepreneurs will tell you it's three days a week. So okay. in person, yeah. Oh, well, uh, we're virtual, virtual right now. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent virtual right now. We'll do a combination coming up in the next in the next uh, cohort, but hundred percent virtual, um, three days a week. You know, they're doing ninety minute sessions a week, so it's a lot of work. They have deliverables, uh, weekly deliverables that they have to turn okay. in. They meet with their lead advisor every week. They meet with our staff every week. You know, yeah. for for office hours. So it's a lot of work that they 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 put into it. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, we just closed out the first investments, uh, the first two investments of the fund uh, back in Q4 of last year, okay. uh, investing in a company um, called AlgoPair, which is a uh, automated trading platform okay. uh, that he's uh, trying to bring institutional grade trading tools to the 99%, right? Okay. This was kind of what he says. <laughs> so, so everyday people like us that have, that don't have opportunity to work with like these 
you know, really expensive, you know, JP Morgan, Fidelity, right. you know, people that manage their assets, you're able to do that using these algorithms okay. uh, that they built. So it's an auto trading platform. Um, and then the other company is called College Cash. Okay. Um, he basically took the concept of everyday behavior and said, how can we use uh, everyday behavior that, to drive student debt relief? Gotcha. So um, he works with different brands um, that basically uh, you can um, uh, post pictures. So you can be an influencer and mm -hmm. post pictures and you can get paid for those pictures. But instead of them paying you in, uh, in, in I guess, you know, to go directly to your bank account or whatever, it goes to your student loans. Ah, so, that's a good idea. Yeah, so <laughs> think about all the influencers, the right. Gen Z, um, uh, the Gen X, um, Gen Z that's really like heavily on social media. Um, you can post pictures basically advertising their platform. Say Starbucks has a, um, you know, a special for, you know, a Christmas special for, right. you know, whatever coffee they're offering. You could post a picture basically advertising that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for the corporations, it's a benefit because the marketing dollars can be written off, you mm -hmm. know, at the end of the year. Um, and then that money goes to paying student debt, right? Gotcha. So um, they started with that lane, but they want to move to uh, from student debt to, to, you know, to mortgage. To, they basically want to tackle the whole debt industry. Oh, debt industry. Um, but they're, talk, they're just kind of something, well, how can you do that with everyday behavior? Well, people like posting on social media. Right. So. Yeah, they're already posting. So. They're already posting. So, right. um, you know, great founders, both from Dallas uh, oh, nice. that we uh, invested in. Um, and then, you know, there's a few other companies we're looking at to close out this uh, this Q1, you know, with some investments as well. So, uh, you know, overall, man, I, I think um, we're we're in a we're in a really interesting place in our country with, right. you know, what we're kind of coming out of with the pandemic, mm -hmm. you know, with the cry for racial equity um, to where, you know, we're really trying to change the systemic issues that are going on. You know, we don't just want a Band-Aid where people right. are just, oh, let me support one time and then move on. You know, this this is a, a sustained effort for us. You know, this is a, a goal of us. So our goal is to, to, to invest and lend $20 million over the next 10 years okay. um, in women and BIPOC-led um, enterprises. So, okay. um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just excited nah. to be in a position to bless other people, you know. Nah, so. That's amazing. What I do want to ask, though, man, is because you talked about education, mentorship, and information, right? But, you know, a lot of times black and brown often entrepreneurs right we don't we don't know where to start right yeah and what you guys providing are an amazing opportunity so how do you even get your business or yourself ready for these opportunities because a lot of time what i've seen and we've seen it through the ppp um i'm call it era yeah. <laughs> is that um you know a lot of times black and brown entrepreneurs we don't have our business set up properly to be able to accept or even apply for certain uh, opportunities right um I'll give you an example, and I'll just put myself out there mm -hmm. for, you know, a couple of years ago, I was working with a tax person, and, you know, they would always push for me to uh, report that, you know, I lost so that, you know, I could receive, you know. Um, tax benefit. Yeah. 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 But then when he gets an opportunity to where, you know, you want to apply for a business loan, well, you've been in the red this whole time. You're not profitable. Right. 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 So it kind of backfires on you essentially right but we're we're so used to getting it right now money like you know tax coming yeah. out right so where do you kind of see the switch that you know black and brown entrepreneurs really need to do to be able to prepare for these opportunities like an accelerated program or yeah. if they do want to essentially you know uh, seek vc well i i mean I, I like most of the times i think a lot of people like to separate business and personal right, right? like like you as an entrepreneur the hat that you wear as an entrepreneur and the hat that you wear as, as just an individual, right? right? And oftentimes, like, that individual hat has to be, like, solid, and it has to have a foundation before right. you can. So a lot of entrepreneur courses that you would take, before they even start talking about business, they start talking about you as an individual. Mm -hmm. What is your relationship with money? How do you manage money? How do you manage time, right? right? If, if you suck at time management <laughs> as an individual, right. you're going to suck at time management as a CEO, right? So... A lot of it is around is looking at the individual and saying, what's the motive behind why they want to be an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. They always talk about, you know, a book by Simon Sinek, you know, start with why, right. right? So what is the driver and the motivation behind wanting to be an entrepreneur? Like, if all those things in a, are, are in alignment, I feel like it puts you in a better position to learn to be an entrepreneur. And then the truth is, is 
most small business owners didn't graduate business school, Not right? Sure. They were passionate about an issue and they wanted to solve it. So at a heart, entrepreneurs are problem solvers, right? Yeah. And so problem solvers, as much as you're looking for problems to solve, you have to be just as diligent on searching information. And the thing about the, inf the age we're in now is that information out there is free, it's available, like YouTube is a great resource. Um, so I would say to those that, that wanna start and start right, you know, reach out to the local like um, SCORE, um, the SBDC. Um, these are national, you know, organizations um, that train and provide free resources for entrepreneurs to kind of get that basic, you know, ground level, start level. I'll say for us, you know, we kind of focus in that 201, 301 range. So yeah, once they've started, um, they've gone through a program or, or they've been an entrepreneur for two or three years, then they come to us when they're in that building and that right. growth phase. Um, but the ones that are starting and getting ready, you know, I, I always say there's three types of business businesses. So the first business is, is, is going to be a, your generational business, right? So this is a business that you want to grow and maybe pass down to, mm -hmm. to your kids or your nephew or, you know, whoever, right? So think of like laundromat, you right. know, um, you know, barbecue joint, you know, um, those are, are legacy businesses or right. generational businesses. Second, you have lifestyle businesses, right? Lifestyle businesses are basically afford you to create a job, right? So you own that job. You're not a business owner, right. but you own that job. So say you used to work for a big, you know, marketing firm and you say, you know what? I want more life balance and more freedom. So I'm going to go out and launch my own, you know, marketing agency, right. right? You're still doing the same job, right? But you're, you can take as many clients as you want. Right. You can work from Jamaica if you want, right? So it affords you a certain lifestyle, right? And the last one is venture back type business, okay. right? And this business is, is, is meant to grow, um, scale, sell, and repeat, right? right? And so n first knowing what type of business you have, right? So do I have a legacy business? Do I have a lifestyle business? Or do I have a venture style business, right? I feel like that's the first step of like going into what do you want to start? Am I ready for venture capital? What type of capital should I look, I'll be looking right. for? knowing those three types, like what type of business are you? And then those things dictate the different types of capital you should be looking for, right? Or the different type of resources you should be looking for. Um, and so I, I think most people think every business is a business. Right. But all small businesses are not created equally and they're all very different. Every business model is different. Every business model has a set of unique resources, right? Um, every business model has a different set of um, goals and objectives in terms of how uh how how large it wants to be right. and so that re that requires a lot of research before you jump out but typical the typical makeup of an entrepreneur is i'm gonna jump off the cliff and i'm exactly. gonna build a plane <laughs> on the way down right no, for sure it's not most entrepreneurs like their makeup and their genetic their dna is not let me be cautious and research no. this thing and you know, no, like, plan it all out. Like entrepreneurs are like, okay, I got a target in mind. I'm gonna jump off this this cliff and I'm gonna figure it out on right. the way down. So, I would just caution to to try to balance that. You know that that you know that ambitious like just courage with a level of like restraint and and dedication and discipline. And I think that combination. You know, I would also say find yourself a co-founder. You know, that's, that's a big thing, man. Like I will say. Um, if I can go back, man, I would probably try to find a, a co-founder that had an opposite skill set, right. you know, uh, of me. You know, I'm a, I'm a visionary. I'm a strategic person. Mm -hmm. uh, my chief program officer, which I feel like is almost my co-founder at times. Right. She's an executor. She's like a, you know, operations person, detail. Okay, well, how's that going to happen? What's step A, right. B, one, two, three, four? I just want to get from A to B, right. you know? Um so finding someone who can complement your skill um, is, is crucial because you don't have to go out of it alone. You Not know, definitely. Um, you know, there's what seven billion people. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find one person that's passionate right. around what you're trying to build. This brings up a great point. Yeah. So for somebody like you and I who've already created, you know, our business, right? What would that look like for you today, right? Like, yeah. And how would you even go about that? Because you've already put in the sweat equity, you've done a lot of the work. So bringing the co-founder, what would that look like? Man, so if you're in a position where you, you've already kind of built a brand, you've already built, you know, kind of the assets, you know, what the organization is, you built that, and you want to bring in a co-founder, you really have to decide what are the, what are the core things that you need out of this person, right? right? 
Are they a co-founder that's uh, in capital only? You know, um, you can have a silent partner. You right. know that hey, you're a co-founder, but what you're bringing to this is capital, right? right? Um, or do they have a, a, a unique skill set or a unique network that's like essential and crucial to the success of the business, right? right? So um, let's take you for example, like you know, Cosign, and you're like, look, I'm trying to bring in a co-founder. And you like look the ex-founder of you know uh, 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 what's his name um, uh, of Ebony Magazine yeah. or yeah, I need yeah. you know <laughs> he was like look I see what you're doing right. I I think this is great for the next generation I want to jump in inside right. of you like that's the type of person that you're like okay I know that the what they're bringing to the table is something that I can't provide right. you know what I mean or I, or they can provide it right now or it would take me a lot of time right so yeah. you can consider that right and then you know when you talk about you know, ownership, uh, obviously you want to have, you know, the, 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 one of the cornerstones of being in business, you want to have an accountant, right. you want to have an, you want to have a lawyer, you want to have a bookkeeper, you know, these are things you just need to have. So having a, a lawyer present that can basically say, okay, what are they bringing to the table and how much value of that is mm -hmm. to the, to the organization in terms of what that percentage, you know, want to give a, should they be a majority owner? Should they be a minority owner? Right. If they're minority order, what's that? What's that percentage? Um, you know, what's their long term goals? Right. right. Those are conversations you have with them. What's your long term goal? Is this something that you want to retire doing, or is this something you want to help sell, rinse right. and repeat? So those are two different goals. That if I know you as a co founder, you want to sell this and move on to your next thing. Right. I don't know if I want to give you, and, and it's a legacy thing for me. Right. I don't know if I want to bring you in as, a, a, you know, a typical equity partner. Maybe there's some royalties, or maybe there's a there's some revenue share that we can do to where right. you know you can get it at a, you, you can get other economic value out of the deal, but not be a long term owner because our long term goals are different, right? Got gotcha. you. So, but I think those are um, crucial questions that come from experience, from being, from going through it and messing up. Not definitely. And then you got the next topic, so you, now you're asking yeah. the right questions. No, for sure. So those are things that you 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 know you look at in terms of bringing in a, a, a co-founder. Um, but then it's like communication, man. Like, can I just like be honest with this person, and and can we have tough conversations? You know, there's right. a book out there called Crucial Conversations. Uh, I think every CEO should read. Um, it's talking about you know conversations with staff, mm -hmm. conversations with you know when things go wrong. Everyone knows to do when things go right. When things go wrong, how do you have those tough conversations? Right. Um, but can you communicate with this person? Can you be open with this person? Can you be yourself? Because the co-founder becomes a marriage, you know? And if there's no communication in the marriage, you know, yeah. or in a relationship, uh, it's going to go south, you know, right. quick. So those are kind of the components I would, I would look at if you're already, which is it's tough when you're already kind of built something right. uh, and it's your baby and you've seen it grow. You've put all Not the sweat sure. equity, you know, um, around it. Um, but yeah. Not for sure, bro. So I know we talk about Impact Ventures, but what I want to make sure we definitely tap on real quick, man, is you also do a lot of stuff in the community. Um, so maybe somebody's not ready for VC. Maybe that's not their business, right? But you have a series uh, for one that people can attend, Tribe Talk. Um, kind of talk what you got planned for 2022 with Tribe Talk and what type of people should attend, information they can gain from coming to these events, um, streaming it, or et cetera. For sure, sure. So. We, our organization operates in three pillars, so ecosystem building, inclusive entrepreneurship, right. and integrated capital. Uh, under ecosystem building, we provide uh, training workshops as well as like networking and speaker series. Okay. So um, our Pivot and Prosper Lunch, Lunch and Learn um, series, so that's a monthly session. Uh, it's basically like a, a you know, webinar workshop where we have different topics. It could be around, uh, we just did one last month um, in partnership with Experience, and we're okay. talking about how to read your personal credit um, report, okay. right? How to um, how to uh, uh, be able to get stuff and you know contest stuff that's on your credit. your credit report. How to read it, like you know what to to know what the big the top three credit bureaus are looking for. Right. Uh, so that's a monthly session that we do on different topics. We partner with different businesses that um, do those trainings. So that happens every month. Okay. Um, the tribe talk series. Um, it's it's basically just bringing our tribe you know together. Uh, we bring, you know, just uh, thought leaders and experts um, in their field to come and talk about the hottest trends um, that are going on. That's a quarterly event that we do. 
so the one in February we got coming up, you know, we're talking about um, crypto and color. Sure. So we're excited to partner with Cosign uh, in, in, in these upcoming events. And after that, we're doing a documentary on uh, uh, Boss, uh, the Black Entrepreneur Experience. Uh, and so these are just events that really bring the community together. Uh, for the first time this year in November, we're going to be doing our Inclusive Capital Summit. Okay. Uh, so this will be our first kind of like conference that we're putting together um, that's focused on all things capital. So we're okay. going to be bringing venture capitalists. We're going to be bringing banks. We're going to be bringing um, community development, financial institutions. So oh, those nice. are your CDFIs um, talking about, you know, how to get prepared for business loans, how to get prepared for uh, venture capital, like what are angel investors look for? Where do I go to find angel? So everything, all things capital you can think of is going to go on to be there. <laughs> at this at this conference. Uh, and it's it's based in Dallas, but it's going to be nationally focused. So we'll have okay. national voices um, that are, are speaking on this. Um, you know, obviously we have the accelerator coming up under the inclusive capital. I'm sorry, the inclusive entrepreneurship um, pillar. Uh, that starts in March. Um, so we have one Accelerate You session that's coming up. So we kind of change our process on how we, um, how you apply for the programs now. Okay. And so we have an info session called Accelerate You. Okay. Uh, and that happens every month. Uh, we have one coming up, I want to say February, either the 11th or the 16th. Um, and it basically breaks down, you know, what the program is, what you can expect, right. you know, all the information about the program. Uh, and then you can decide if you want to attend an Accelerate Growth session, which is kind of like a workshop um, that you do to kind of prepare for the program. Okay. Um, yeah, and then we have the Integrated Capital Fund. Um, you know, we're looking for opportunities right now for um, people in the CPG space. So okay. if you have a product or a good that you're, you're selling, uh, we want to talk to you okay. um, uh, for getting access to loans. So we do lending at about fifty to two fifty is kind of our average, so fifty thousand okay. up to two uh, up to two hundred fifty thousand depending on the business. Okay. Uh, we don't look at things like credit score and collateral, right? So we're basically looking at the cash flow um, okay. operating of the business um, and, and investing and lending based on the, the assets of the business. Um, and yeah, man, that we're look, looking forward to this year. You know, just being a, a even bigger year than we had. In 2021, gotcha. um, our theme for this year is collaborations and partnerships. So Definitely. our goal this year is to collaborate, partner with every single group that wants to partner with us, that wants to be a part of what we're building, right? Because gotcha. um, entrepreneurs are everywhere. You Definitely. know, uh, they have interest range all across the board. Um, so people that follow Cosign Magazine are definitely probably entrepreneurial, definitely. Uh, creative, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And so we want to partner with as many groups as we can to try to get these resources out for sure. in front of people that need them the most. One thing I know, as soon as I put this out, they're going to ask, 50 to 250, where do I apply? You said, where do you go? Hey, <laughs> where do on, they, That's what they're going to ask. Where do they apply? So is it on the website? Yeah, yeah. So you can go to uh, impact-ventures.co, that's C-O, mm -hmm. um, and you can literally just, you'll find it. It's easy to find on our website. Uh, we have a questionnaire that you fill out, um, and then our team will reach out. Right. Um, we typically do our lending and our investing on a quarterly basis. Um, so our next one will be March. Um, will be March that we do uh, investments, and then we'll do uh, Q2. So yeah, try to apply, get into the pipeline. Um, again, you know, some of our qualifications. You know, you have to be at least two years in business. Okay have to be owned by either a woman or a person of color. Okay. Um, you have to be in the DFW um, area. That's Dallas-Fort Worth, so uh, you can be in Fort Worth, you can be in Mansfield, you know, kind of all right. over the Metroplex. Um, and then the other qualification is you have to have at least 50 to 100K in minimum revenue okay. um, to, uh, to be uh, considered. Um, so yeah, we, we really liked the CPG space. Um, technology, yes, but we have to have some tra traction with the right. with track traction with the tech company uh, for equity investments. Um, our equity investments started 100K, okay. so we do a minimum of 100K in equity investments, and then we do a minimum of 50K uh, in loans. So um, the biggest thing is like, can we create jobs right. uh, for, for these businesses? Um, you know, can we uh, help the entrepreneurs scale, right. you know, um, and hire their first five to 10, you know, employees? Uh, that's really what we're looking to, to make an impact on. Um, and then obviously we, we ask the entrepreneurs like, you know, how can their business be a tool for, for social change right. in terms of like either their operating impact or their product or service impact. Right. For example, like uh, if you have a goal to have, you know, um, you want more women in leadership, right? That's one of the things that we, we can bake into 
contracts into you know uh, term sheets um, to where you have an emphasis on you know women in leadership or people of color in right. leadership um, or you know a lot of different things we can look at to make the business um, be socially responsible. Right. Uh, those are things that we we look at and can help implement right. as well. So. Gotcha. And before we get out here, I have to ask this, man. I know you've done a lot of amazing things with the with the company um, as investments and as investor. But to date, what has been you know the most thing, the one thing that you're most proud of the, on the biggest impact that you made? Man, the biggest, imp- you know, I would say staying alive, man. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, man, I hate to, to, to be selfish and say, <laughs> <laughs> but the pandemic, you yeah. know, I don't think it didn't touch anybody. You know, I don't think there was anyone that the pandemic didn't touch. Right. You know, I know people are probably tired about hearing about COVID or, you know, or or, or what the pandemics had impact on, on business owners. But just just being able to, to manage and, and weather the storm, man, mm-hmm. like, you know, we were at a point where when the pandemic kicked off, we didn't know we were going to keep our doors open, mm. you know. Um, a lot of our funders went radio silent, mm. you know. They focused on, you know, relief, which is like women and children and, and homelessness and, you know, things like that that are important, right? right. Um, but we didn't we didn't know, you know, if they were going to come back, if they were going right. to keep funding us, uh, you know, what. So we kind of just weathered the storm um, during that time, man. And then they came back and, and, and we got things moving. You know, we, we talked about the importance of, you know, how do we continue to sustain, you know, right. black and minority owned businesses? Um, so I'm just proud of us being able to stay alive so that we can keep other businesses alive and keep their doors open. So, man, that's the biggest thing, because, you know, depending on what seat you sit in, right. the impact the pandemic has had on you could look very different. For sure. Some people won. Yeah. You know, they made more, more money than they ever did. Definitely. And for some people, they lost loved ones. You know, yeah. they had to close the business that was open for generations, you know, maybe it was their grandfather's grandfather's right. business that they had to close. So I'm just most proud of being able to weather the storm in mm-hmm. a way that we can help continue supporting other nah, other sure. entrepreneurs. I will say that then you are, you know, making a huge impact supporting other entrepreneurs. So I do want to leave it on that positive note, everything you're doing in the community for black and brown uh, and women entrepreneurs and creators, bro. So I salute you, co-signing you. Uh, I want to say thanks for coming on the Cows Came. Thanks for talking to us, sharing this information. This is going to be great for our audience because I feel like a lot of our audience are entrepreneurs who are either aspiring or just starting out, but what they do is they lack information. So mm-hmm. they kind of come to us to share this information, which would be, you know, a great start for them if they're on the, you know, starting off one-on-one level or two, two-on-one level, like you said, maybe a great opportunity for them to get tapped in with you to learn about these resources. Um, and attend these events that we have coming up so yeah. they can get ready and stay prepared so we don't miss out on these opportunities, you know. So I salute you. I appreciate you. For those watching, please make sure y'all tap in with Benjamin Van and Impact Ventures. And as always, please continue with the Coastline Life. We're out. Hey, guys, what's good? Thanks for supporting Coastline Magazine by watching this video. If you really enjoy this content, please subscribe, like, comment, and share.